host, Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is... You are listening to the News for the Soul radio network. News for your soul. Life-changing broadcasts to souls around the world since January 1997. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. live i'm getting to do one of my favorite things introduce you to a new actually two new members of the new soul radio family actually one of them met many years ago well she's back and the next level up of what's going on with her work and her partner beth daniels and gil are here we're going to introduce them momentarily i'll just let you know we start with our famous first question no labels up front soul-to-soul meeting, and we unpeel the onion from there, but if you want to read ahead, you can find their full bios and um, all the other information, links, etc., on newsforthesoul.com just by clicking their host picture there. So let's welcome Beth and Gil on and start the fun. Welcome, guys. Welcome to News for the Soul. Hi, Nicole. Hey, Nicole. <laughs> we said that at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Greetings. Awesome. It's great to be back here. I think it's like uh, 11 years. 11 years. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you know, with the times that we're in now, and uh, you're actually one of many who have returned after hiatuses because of the work that's needed right now on the planet. So not shocked, (laughs) but very happy to reconnect and to meet you, Gil, and get to know both of you on the deeper levels this hour. So I like, this is always tricky when we have two people at once. So we will move forward with our famous question because it's a place that connects us all as a community and a movement here on the soul, the search for what's really real, what's really possible. And that is, we've all had experiences with something outside the 3D norm that's gotten our attention, woken us up, maybe even set us on our path. And I'm curious, about your most your earliest recollection each of you individually of something like that and also your most profound so who'd like to start i think gil does oh that's totally <laughs> set up okay Nicole, can you hear us okay yep perfectly okay there's a little bit of crackling we just wanted to make sure okay go for it all right go. yeah i'll go for it you're, so, you're the newbie on the block yeah um, interestingly enough, I come from an agnostic background, and, um, you know, God really wasn't a big part at all of my family's life. And so um, talk about an early kind of wooing that God had on my heart. It was back when I was in, um, you know, middle school and, and early high school, and he just kept, you know, um, whispering his voice to me that he loved me and didn't hate me. <laughs> and um, there was no guilt or shame associated with this. And um, over time, um, he just made himself really, really clear to me. 
So in college, I had done everything under the sun. I'd worked for three Fortune 500 companies. I had done things um, like, you know, played tennis to the highest levels in Arizona in high school. I was the number one jazz saxophone player there in Arizona as well. And then I took that to college with me. So there was just like things I was doing, you know, dating and drinking and just doing all kinds of things to kind of, um, you know, fill up my heart. And I realized that none of those were going to do that. You know, mm. that there was definitely an empty space there. And that, that space for me, and I don't know if it's like this for your listeners, but that space for me was every night when I went to bed and laid my head on a pillow, you know, I got to play the tape back of that day. And all the things I had done and all the accomplishments and all the kind of the report cards that had come in and everything I had done to fill my heart up. And that, that time with my head on the pillow before I drifted off was always thinking, there's got to be more. Mm. You know, there just does. If I'm going to, you know, walk on this planet for 80 years and I'm going to go to bed every night, no matter what I've done, no matter much, how much money I've made, no matter how many accolades I have, whatever those successes are, and I was working, like, you know, to the bone, there's just, this just doesn't sound like a planet I want to be on for 80 right. years. <laughs> and, you know, God in his goodness just kept whispering to me, you know, I fill that empty space, <laughs> you know. You know, I'm the one who does that. You know, you're, you're, these other things aren't bad things. They're not things that are anything to be, you know, mad about or guilty about or feel shame about. It was just that those things were never meant to be number one. Right. And so when I really got that and that hit me in college, that was at the time when I just kind of said back to God, like, I'm in. You know, I'm in. This isn't doing it over here, so I'm in with you. And it wasn't a trial basis. It wasn't like I said to God, like, yeah, you better, you know, show up and here's the three things I need you to do. He's not a genie in a bottle. But there was definitely that piece where he came in like a flood. And like flood. Tell us about like that. A, you know, yeah. Yeah, he just came in like a flood for me. And I think in those, in those ways, my mom and dad were going through a nasty divorce. Um, my mom had kicked my brother out of the home because he invited my dad to graduation. I mean, it was a really volatile home. I grew up in an abusive home. And so, you know, there was like, how do I traverse this? You know, how do I, how do I live in wisdom? How do I clock in and check into my higher self? And those things were all God-led, um, down to the smallest things, you know, like when I was sick and I was just feeling absolutely horrible. And I thought I was going to die. And I'd say, okay, God, I, I need you to heal me. Like, is there a way you can do that? And that healing piece then began to happen. Sometimes it was in the moment. Sometimes it took many, many years. But those healings were always there when I called to them. You know, and God would always say to me, do you want to get well? Are you sure? Because <laughs> my answer was yes. Be, Are you sure? Because if you're in, I'm in. But if you need to go do whatever else, then go ahead and try to find that healing somewhere else. But but when you come back, I'll still be here, you know. And so I always found myself dropping breadcrumbs um, away from God <laughs> and following them back. <laughs> mm. And when I followed them back, you know, he was there. And I have a million stories I can tell um, about how that's happened. And that's gone over mm. and over. I've not been perfect in any way, shape, or form. Um, and in my imperfections, he has always been there with his perfections. So, um, yep, I've just seen, you know, from here all around the world, Afghanistan, you know, building cities there, building new towns all over the world. 
um, Poland and other places. I just he just is. There's not a place on this planet that he hasn't met me. Wow. And so my 80 wow. years, man, I want to rock him. And uh, you know, that's right. Nice my home 80. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want them to be the best. Then, of course, you brought Beth along. So that's a whole <laughs> other miracle story. All right. Well, let's <laughs> this is how he plucked me out of the mountains and Beth out of the ocean and put us in Prescott, Arizona, in a little dive hick bar? cowboy <laughs> bar called the Jersey Lily in downtown Prescott and how, you know, just that perfect timing where we intersected together. I mean, that's just a whole other <laughs> miracle story. Um, all right. Well, I, where where are we going to go next? Let's get your first initial earliest memory of your most profound experience with something outside the 3D norm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I've uh, talked about this before, you know, when I sent you the um, information recently, Nicole, and it's probably not the earliest, but I'd say the most profound because um, this has happened over and over since. And um, I had recently lost my grandfather, and he was 89, and um, he had recently died. He was, he was really probably the most important person in my life. And um, he was just uh, the most incredible spiritual man I've ever known and have ever met since. And so he had uh, passed away. And it was interesting because I had joy uh, because I knew he was amazingly good and um, he was good. He was doing great. So I wasn't, everyone's like, man, you're really not crying about losing your grandpa. He's so important to you. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't have grief about it. I just know how he lived his life and I know he's continuing that on the other side and everything is great. So I had, you know, he had, um, crossed over probably, I'm not sure, a year or two before, but um, one of his good friends, um, well, my uh, my step-grandma, I guess, his, his wife, uh, was still here, and uh, she still hung around with their great friends, uh, David and Karen, and they were unfortunate, there was an unfortunate accident where uh, David fell and uh, hit his head, and um, my dad called me and told me what happened, and uh, I could see in the moment my grandfather stretched out his arms to welcome David, you know, uh, across the bridge, so to speak. So helped him mm. to the other side. He uh, held out his arms, and I saw it the, the minute my dad told me what happened to David, and I, and I saw my grandfather reaching out for him, and I knew he was going to be the first person that he saw um, and that he wasn't coming back, you know, into this body and into this life. He was He was moving on. And um, I felt so much peace because I knew, you know, it's like, yeah, David is there. He's he's with his old friend. It's all going to be good. And, you know, they're, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to rally and he's coming back. And, you know, I wasn't, I'm not saying anything. I, it was all really sacred, you know. So I just, mm-hmm. I just knew. And then, yeah, a couple of days later, you know, um, the call came that, you know, he had, he had, uh, transition so that was the beginning for me of seeing um, and not just seeing 
like um, diagnoses or physical problems for my clients, which I see every day with chronic conditions. But seeing beyond that and just being able to see uh, what was true and what was beautiful and how um, spirit moves and yeah, yeah what, what, what is really there for us. There's so much that we don't really know or, you know, as humans, I think we don't really mm. even know how to process sometimes. So that was the first time where I had a picture like that, and then that just happened continually after that. Um, almost every time I'm working with someone over the phone and, and I get pictures about things and they're, um, they're beautiful and they're deep, and I, I uh, try to explain them, you know, as, as we go. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a really profound moment for me. Yeah, well... Being able to see and get insight and have direct experience with anything about, you know, death and beyond death is probably one of the most important things we can tap into. Um, and, you so know, I, I think what what happens, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, I think what happens is we spend so much time in our heads, you know, and we spend so much time, and for the people I work with who typically have chronic health conditions and they really need help and for them as well we spend so much time thinking about thinking about it and problems and focusing on them and maybe some on solutions but we just spend our time with our nose to the grindstone or like on this treadmill of life and this was like this moment of no that is not where the truth is that is not where the truth is look up look up get your nose out of that treadmill you know look up and see what's really there and what is this experience really about and what is your divine path really about what are you here for what are you doing you're not here to be sick um so i think that whole scenario just really um helped me understand that better and i try to work really hard to help people see that and it Mm -hmm. and it just changes everything for them beautiful I'm curious about the synchronistic story of how you two kids met. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we should let the storyteller tell the story. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm in. I'll chime in. Yeah, chime in. Yeah, go ahead. If I'm missing anything. Yeah, I'd like to hear your perspective, Gil. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I had come to a place in my life – Three or four years ago, where I was, um, I was in a place where you know I, I was divorced and a single dad, four kids, in high school. They're all teenagers, <laughs> so it was really, really challenging. And um, you know, I just hit a wall with that. You know, I've been super, super successful uh, in raising up, you know, large, large churches and seeing really some really great things happen out of Colorado to change, to change towns and cities. I mean, it was really awesome and. And yet I, I was hitting a wall. You know, I had a lot of guilt and shame around that divorce piece. And, um, you know, I kind of had, had a movie in mind for me, right? Like I knew what I wanted the movie to look like, and it was actually turning out to be a horror story. So I was like, okay. I wanted it to be Disney, you know, like let's roll with that. And, uh, but that wasn't what was happening. And, you know, I kind of did. I had a really, really tough time where I ended up with the bottle as my, as my uh, best friend. And... 
I grew up with a bunch of alcoholics. Matter of fact, generational alcoholism, and I was able to keep that at bay for quite a while. But I was not able to keep it at bay in my mid 40s, and so um, it just became something to soothe the pain uh, of my life. You know, the movie was not turning out the way I, I really saw saw it fit to do, and so. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted off the planet again, you know, at that point. I was like, you know, how do I do that? And kind of a Robin Williams kind of story, you know, in that way of, of being in front of crowds and being able to um, move people, having God really use me in that, and you know, thousands and thousands of people. And, um, and still, I was just really frustrated with how things were going with that. I had gotten in a car accident um, a few years before that where my back was, was a, a drunk driver and my back was trashed. And so drinking alcohol was a way to, to calm that pain down. Um, so there's a lot of things around that that had me end up in rehab. So I ended up there back in, gosh, 2018 in, in Prescott, Arizona, and um, was just finishing up inpatient and doing really well. And when I bumped into Beth, my dad and her mom were friends, and they had never um, introduced us. So there was an, there's, you know, yeah, yeah. Beth was married. I was single for 14 years, but you know, Beth, Beth, Beth was married, but here she wasn't. Um, she was, you know, finally moving into singlehood, and so our folks decided to have us connect. And Beth was only in town for a little bit. I mean, she lives in Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii and doing her thing with that, and so. It was really uh, providential that night um, to bump in there. I was actually with, with someone else that night, was just a friend, um, but she was really struggling with a lot of things. And so Beth, I was like, oh, shit, i got to really listen to that, but I really want to, you know, connect with, with this woman who is so fascinating, you know, especially around what she did. So what she did and kind of what my heart was were very, very similar. We complimented each other well. And that night, I mean, the whole, the whole place could have just gone away. And we would have had just a great time um, connecting over a lot of subjects. So at the end of that night, um, I got Beth's card, <laughs> which got stolen from me. <laughs> Somebody took it. Um, and I was like, shoot. So I had to do some work uh, in Prescott to find her number, and I did. Because that's what tenacious people do when they run into someone that they fall in love with. So. Um, I got her number and I called her and I said, let's set up a little time. And we set up a time to talk on the phone and Beth was uh, headed up to Seattle and, um, she forgot. So I called and no one was there. And, um, being the tenacious guy that I am, I'm like, well, that had to be an honest mistake. It was. And you know, there had to be an honest mistake. There's no way. No way she wouldn't want to talk to me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, um, I did. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that, but I'm going to keep going. So I called her again and you answered that time. And I go, (laughs) and I go, so did what happened with our little phone date? And she was, I don't know what you said, but you got out of it. I was with my daughter. Yeah. 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 I had forgotten, but truth be told, Nicole, I mean, I was going through a divorce and he thought, I thought that he had a girlfriend. So, you know, I thought he had a girlfriend. He showed up at this event, you know, with this girl. So um, I was happy to find out he didn't. But the truth of the matter is, the part that that, um, Gil did not say, which is, I think, awesome, is, well, first of all, the second we met each other, it's like we started talking about spiritual things. I mean, who does that? (laughs) So, um, 
we connected immediately about really deep things and about healing others and how do you help other people heal yet still set good boundaries, you know, for your own life. And uh, we got into all of this right away and how, you know, sensitive people... Burnout, yeah, how sensitive healers really are and how you need to protect that. And, I mean, we were just getting into all these amazing topics, and then my mom's like, well, we got to go. <laughs> oh, shoot, the dog needs to eat. But um, so we left, but it, that was, it was really awesome. But the second, wow. I, one thing I have to share, um, and I shared at our wedding, is when Gil walked in, I was sitting at a table with my mom. It was kind of a pre-Christmas party at this, you know, cowboy saloon, literally. And uh, I saw Gil from the back. And I knew that my mom's, my mom's friend Jerry's son was going to be there. And I didn't know who he was or what he looked like or anything. So I saw him from the back first. I was just sitting at a table, and I saw how huge his heart was from the back. Ooh. It was it was just, again, it was like one of those visions, right? I, I just saw it, and I'm like, wow, I wonder who that is. Um, I don't typically go around seeing the size of people's hearts, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just right there. And I was like, I wonder who that is. And then he turned around and came over to the table, and I was like, whoa, that must be Jerry's son. So that was really the uh, entry into our connection. Yeah, and I saw Beth, and I thought, and God really reminded she's hot. That's <laughs> that's what that's what happens for me. So that's really deep. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really it was a lightning bolt from heaven because she's blonde. So somehow, um, anyway, there's a lot there, but I'll uh, I won't unpack it. But uh, all I have to say is that yeah, so we we connected there, and then. We probably talked on the phone for three or four hours a night for a couple of months, and then Beth came back out to Prescott, and then we started to kind of plan what we could do. So um, it was just, yeah, I, was just, I really like what Beth said, right? It's like, and if there, anybody of your listeners is a healer, they, they will get this, right? It's like we, we pour ourselves out continually, and then rarely is there a sponge. We're like a sponge, right? And we're looking for water somewhere to fill back up because we're going to squeeze that, we're going to squeeze that sponge out on others that are hurting. And so we really connected over, you know, what's your water source? You know, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing to fill back yeah. up your, the, you know, the sponge of your heart? Because lots of healers get taken out. You know, there's, there's, I think there's a lot of spiritual battle that occurs with people who step out there to say, mm-hmm. I really want to help. I want to help others find their purpose in life. And I want them to find, you know, themselves. I want that really help them take next steps. And so, um, you know, we were able to come really quick to how burned out are you, <laughs> you know, and how burned out are you? And, you know, what, what are you doing with that? Because, you know, I didn't need to ask Beth about her prolific healing life because all you have to do is sit down with Beth for about five minutes and you'll understand just how, I mean, she's the most powerful and gentle healer I've ever met. That's why she has a global, she has a global reach. You know, she has people all over the world that call in to talk to her because her heartbeat is so, so locked in. And, and so even today, we, you know, we talked about it last night. You know, we, we look at each other and go, how are you doing with all that? You know, how's it going when, you know, when you just got done with these five people today that were really, 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 really tough? I mean, only, to be honest, only those who have basically been told they have no hope call Beth. 
and mm. a lot of times, you know, yeah, and Beth does, man. She is like the last house on the block for these people, and and she's like this big spiritual triage at the end of the block that people bump into um, on their way to really complete helplessness and and I, I would say even um, depression, like that goes deep. And so Beth gets it's that group of people, and Beth leans into that amazingly. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's that's what I'm here to do. And and it's really wild because most days at the end of the day, I have a lot more energy and I'm more invigorated than I was in the morning by far because it invigorates me and excites me to help people change their life. You know, I when I met you, I was going through a lot of personal hardship and that really takes me down. Um, the work that I do does the opposite. It's just invigorating to watch people's lives change, like over over a day or or longer, depending. But yeah, it, it's um. Oh, thank you, Gil, for saying that. Mm. Well, yes, when you're on purpose, it's not work. It's you know when you're serving, it's yeah. very yeah, exactly. Wonderful, energizing. It feeds you. I'm curious, Gil. Um, you know, I want to ask you this question because since all this COVID crap, um, a lot of people have been dealing with a lot of stuff, including alcohol addiction has been high, widely prevalent globally since all the lockdowns and shutting down of, you know, spiritual centers and all entertainment industry and travel and, ugh, you know. So um, I'm wondering what you did. How did you overcome it? As far as getting through COVID? No, the alcohol addiction. Just for, I'm just oh, that, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, that's his... his uh, no, I get to brag on him for a second before he talks. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the um, failure rate of people that go through rehab is 99%, literally. 1% make it. And, and hold it. So people that work with him get to hold that healing and not go back. So wow. he is amazing in this. He will not say that, so I'm going to say that before I let him talk about it because I, I've never seen such a thing. I've never seen such beauty come from just these ashes of dark addiction and what he does to help people through that. So I have to say that first. Now, now you can talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that the number one thing, and I ask every guy this, you know, do you have the gift of desperation? You know, if, if you don't have that gift, that desperate soul, that rebel soul, which is awesome, um, I mean, I have a rebel soul. And um, if I can set that into the right channel, right, yeah. it's like – like if I can find the Gulf Stream, you know, and I get my if I get my you know if I get aligned with the Gulf Stream, I'm going to be in great shape, right? So I mean, a straw can actually let the Gulf Stream go through it as long as that straw is in alignment with the Gulf Stream. So most people are not in alignment with that, and so and by the way, that's a gift too, because it can it'll get them to the gift of desperation. I mean, I like what C.S. Lewis said, right? Like pain is God's megaphone to rouse a hurting world. And I think that that is, it's a great thing when someone says, you know, man, I'm, I'm struggling. And so for me, it was all or nothing. And I mean that. Like it was, I did not have a point percentage when I dealt with my alcoholism that was saying, I think I can do this. 
I've only been beat by two things in my life. I mean, I've been beat by, uh, but I mean, I'm talking about incredible Hulk slammed in my life. And that was a marriage that I had that um, I was, I mean, I, out of everything I could do, it was not going to make it. And then, um, and then alcohol. So those, so those, and I, and I just tell people that, right? I mean, I got incredible Hulk slammed by those two things. And it's okay to say that, you know? Um, And I think I had to become comfortable with that to say, you know what? This is my path, and and I and I'm I'm in with this, and I'm also going to go with this like gift of desperation piece. So, um, when I when I was there uh, every day, and I probably did I don't know upwards of 700 plus meetings with groups, and sitting down with some of the best spiritual directors um, in the world, and and sitting down and 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 really picking up the the Buddhist practice of meditation. I mean, really learning what that means and how to do it. It's kind of like mental and spiritual yoga. And being able to hold those kind of spaces, both in groups and, and my own self, where my inner voice became very, very clear, where I realized I had bulldozed some values that I held near and dear. You know, I had this vision for my life and all this thing I wanted to be, and I bulldozed some things that I really counted as sacred. And I was really, um, I really wanted to see that healed, and I wanted to see that um, dealt with because... I was willing to go back and, oh, it was really hard, but I was really able to go back and walk through my childhood. And um, I have a boy, his name is Cade, and Cade is so tenderhearted. He's like me, like we're really highly sensitive people. And what helped me so much was thinking, if I were to treat Cade the way I was treated, I mean, I just started weeping, like, you know, just to be able to go back and hold that kid um, that I was rather than look at it like, well, I couldn't overcome it. I must suck. You know, this is really bad. God, whatever. You know, it's like, no, that, that, that little boy back there needs held. And that, and I mean, I know that sounds corny and maybe it sounds corny to some of your listeners, but I'm telling you, it's true. When that boy can be held by you, (laughs) your own, you can go back and walk through that childhood trauma in a really, really healthy way. It's hard and there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of fighting with that. And there's a lot of, you know, even some anger and some bitterness and some resentment. And, and to be honest, I hated, as much as I hated my dad, as much as I hated whatever, you know, my ex, whatever it would be that I've ever said, oh, that was whatever, I hated myself even more. And that's where the, the, that's where the real devastation and tragicness happens, is when other people's voices then become yours, and they're not healthy. So I got to go back and unwrap all that. And, I mean, I'm talking, like, with everything I had, I had a guy that sat next to me during a meeting. He was 72 years old, and he was with the Washington Post. He was a, a journalist. And during one meeting, and I'm like, I'm writing books. My journal is being packed out. I think I was, you would think I was writing a Tom Clancy novel. And this guy, this Washington Post guy next to me goes, you know, Gil, I'd give anything to be able to read what you're writing. And um, I said, really, anything? <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, that was my posture was really, really, um, I needed mercy and I needed help. And, and I ended up coming to a place that I was able to ask for it, which most people don't. So, um, and now I help people through it. And, um, you know, anger, anxiety, and addiction, those three, most guys I know, those three are tied together. And when I say addiction, I don't mean just alcoholism. I'm talking about isms workaholism, 
busyism. Um, it, it, you name it. I mean, it's not. It's you know, sportsism. Whatever it is that you're throwing your heart into to, to mute and numb all that pain, um, that's an ism. And so, I really help guys see it as okay. It's normal. We live in a broken world. That's okay. And that you know, I'm in it with you. And you, you know, before long, they're telling me things that they've never told their wives. And I think that's really, really important. Or just any friends they've ever had. And they're like, well, because they're so waiting on the slap. They're waiting on the you suck. They're waiting on you get an F. They're waiting on the shame and guilt that goes with this stuff. And I'm like, nope. And when they can put down those really harsh weapons and just come, then then God starts to do his work. And then I just walk them through all of that. And, you know, I have like, you know, I don't know, eight, eight modules that I just walk through. And but really, I do person by person. You know, everybody's got a distinct story. Not everybody's the same. And so... It's like anything else. It's like, hey, I want to walk you through this, but I want to walk it through in a unique way that is really you, because we're gonna we're gonna mold this and we're gonna we're gonna um, shape this. We're gonna you know, you're going through an entire life remodeling right now. So we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through that, and and it doesn't have to be very long, you know. Um, I've had guys say to me, man, I used to you know every night coming home, I you know grab a whiskey and sit down, and before long I was yelling at my wife and telling my kids to get out of my face. And it's like you know we're a month into this thing, and they're like, it's weird. I go home now, and it's like I'm peaceful. 